Hello and welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. I'm the host. My name is Travis. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hoobazoo Network. You can find out more on Hoobazoo.com. I want to thank my sponsors, Joyce Asak of Asak Real Estate, Army National Guard veteran Mark Holmes of Reapers Detailing and Power Washing, and my supporters, all veteran-owned, veteran-operated businesses, Semper Savage Salad Dressing, Bottom Gun Coffee, and Quezon Shaving Company. And this is like Christmas for me. It's kind of like part two to the Jesse James Dupree show that I had on. So if you watched the show previous to this one, I had on a guy I've watched, you know, on the stage with a chainsaw, talk about his involvement with the VFW. And now we get kind of like the behind the scenes of how that all works with Mr. Lynn Rolfe, who's a program coordinator for the VFW, if I got that right. Mr. Rolf Lynn, welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Hey, thanks, Travis. Uh, my, it's my honor to be on on a great show that I I listen to from friends in Tennessee that got me introduced to what you do and the causes you get behind and all the advocacy that you get get out to the community and to our veterans. So thanks for having me. Absolutely, no problem at all. It's, it's an honor, and, and you know we kind of got connected through Andrew Farr and and Brian Walker. We'll talk about them more in a second. But this is all about you. For the folks out there, um, you know, give us a little synopsis of your military time, and then we'll go into the VFW and how what you do now, please. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, don't hold it against me. I, I know we talked a little bit before the recording. I was a military police officer for just about 10 years. I uh, got my commissioning out of Pittsburgh State here in Kansas and uh, went right to Korea. was a young platoon leader over over in Korea for a couple years and uh, from the JSA down to uh, Seoul. Pretty enlightening experience and then came back, came back to the States. And I uh, ran a basic training unit, OSA company, and then uh, eventually took command of the 300th military police company, which I took over uh, 2003 to Iraq. And I commanded a, a company plus overseas, over, over in Iraq. So, and then had an opportunity to. Um, had to make a big, big life decision after I gave up command and decided that it was time to focus on myself and left the military and kind of stumbled around. Had had a lot of dark times in the transition period and walked into a VFW and my life changed forever and for the best. It, I could not have asked for a better life course for myself that helps me when I be able to assist veterans, um, business owners, um, just living, live, living the dream right now, seeing so, the programs director for the VFW. So let's just put a period on the end of the military service. You were, you were an MP and you led other MPs. Now, normally I'd be like, oh, God, another one. <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, glass half full, I mean, that had to prepare you for everything you've experienced in the VFW, especially, I don't know about Brian Walker, but definitely Andrew Farr needs some of that guidance you all provide, right? Right, sir? 
Yeah, you know, we we it it does, and no offense to all my Marine Corps family that I have, but um, they're they're extra special. You have to you have to spend a little more time explaining how to color within the lines. We're bad. I'm a Marine. I'm we bad. Do, We're bad. Yeah, and how we do it. Uh, but Andrew is a true success story himself. Uh, his service and his personal fight uh, with a lot of the demons that we all face. Um, we really connected right away because we had a lot of the same same battles and struggles. Uh, and Andrew keeps me on my toes. Good young member wants to do the right thing so he challenges me to be better in my responsibility to think outside of the box and try to deliver more of our programs to more people uh, from our nation's youth to to our veterans and nursing homes on how we can do better as an organization so andrew and the uh, comrades down in tennessee definitely make my job a lot easier because uh, I know we're moving the pendulum forward as the BFW. So uh, God bless Andrew. Absolutely. You know, I, you know one of the reasons I, I got connected back to the VFW and that whole, I don't qualify for the VFW, but I do for American Legion. One of the reasons that I'm kind of getting back into that was because of, of Andrew and, and, you know, Brian's, you know, push, if you will. But let's talk about you, you walk into that VFW after you transition. And, and one of the things that, you know, I found out is, you know, a lot of us enlisted believe that officers have a red carpet after they get out of the service and everything's roses for them. And I've come to find out that's not always the case. In fact, a lot of you had the same challenges we do. But what was it when you walked into that VFW that really, you know, changed your life? Well, I, um, it was Veterans Day. 2004, or yeah, 2004, I just left the military, or 2005 actually, left the military, I was with some high school buddies, some Desert Storm vets, and um, we'd seen a parade going on, and uh, I mentioned to him, I said, hey, my granddad was a member, and my dad currently was at the time. And um, they're like, well, let's go in and see what's going on. Seemed like that was the place to be. And, um, of course, us being much younger than a lot of the crowd that was there, uh, it, it was great. To, we just started talking uh, talking about our service, uh, especially with some – and at the time frame, Iraq was still really um, – right in the heat of everything at the beginning of the war. Uh, so they had a lot of questions for us younger guys. Um, and just really felt like I found a place that um, I connected with, brought back memories of my dad and my grandfather. Um, <clears throat> and eventually went to the first meeting and, and moved up the ranks pretty fast in the VFW from Post district state commander myself, uh, conference chairman, then eventually had the opportunity to interview for this position. 
um, being just from Leavenworth and don't hold that against me being a prison town and you know the military you always hear don't go to Leavenworth but I graduated high school in Leavenworth so it was it was a, a perfect perfect mix just being about an hour from national headquarters uh, and the opportunity came up and I went for it so you go through this transition process and, and in a way it's it's what I thought the VFW was supposed to do mm-hmm. and, and you know my experience I, I told Brian this you know I'm like look when I got out of the Marine Corps I went to the local VFW post walked in and five minutes later I knew that you know what this this is not for me they they, they I was not welcomed and they didn't care that I didn't come back for a long time but in a, in a way, your experience is what I understand the VFW is supposed to be like. Yeah. And then you move all the way up to to what you do now, which is kind of how we got connected. You know, what what is your role at the VFW now as program coordinator? What what do you actually do? Um, <clears throat> well, under under my responsibility as the national programs director. The umbrella uh, or scope of what I do is anything that we do out in the community uh, for veterans or the community in general or nation's youth, somehow one of the programs uh, touches from, uh, and I'm sure you probably heard about our buddy Poppy Flower. We created that flower um, based on... Um, in the World War One time frame, when the Buddy Poppy or the actual poppy flower symbolized our fallen comrades, uh, we were approached by a special lady, uh, Miss Moyna, to help our war orphans, and um, we we started the camp, the first campaign to to raise money to help our war orphans because back then it was just. That that conflict really turned our country. Uh, some say, you know, it was a turmoil, but it was a defining moment for our country. And we really got behind it helping our war deck because so many families were impacted uh, in World War I. Um, so that's one piece of what I do. We, we do a lot of educational aspects of our nation's youth. Uh, through our voice democracy and our patriots been either written written essay or verbal on what they feel based on a theme that we have and our theme this year is why is america's veteran important and we allow our youth to tell us what's going in their community what is their thinking and it really helps us as an organization to get the pulse of course, we provide a lot of scholarships to our high schoolers uh, from the local to the county level to the state level and then up to our national level at our contests that we run, a big $35,000 scholarship that we award in D.C. Um, to 53 other kids, taking through a week in D.C., teaching them about the history in the beginnings of our country, what democracy is really about. Um, And then I've got a troop aspect. 
where we help our military, we help our National Guardsmen, our reservists, and try to build the relationship between our VFW posts and those units and help them understand, you know, what we're all about. So we build the bridge, build the relationship. We talk to them about our financial assistance program that I also manage. It's called the Unmet Needs Program, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about that here shortly. <clears throat> and our Student Veteran Scholarship, our Help a Hero Program, uh, which is funded by sport clubs, haircuts, which I I know you don't need a haircut right now, but nope, I'm nope. getting a little I'm getting a little shaggy myself. I wish I had your problem. <laughs> but that scholarship's the largest, most impactful student veteran scholarship out there. Over 2,300 student vets have received the scholarship for over, and we're eclipsing $11 million this year of, of scholarships. Um, those, those type of programs um, just are life-changing. So if you, you take the umbrella of our programs and what we do with veteran benefits and our advocacy that we do in D.C. and the grassroots effort behind that, BFW is a powerful organization that changes lives for veterans and their and their family members. And I'm just so humbled to be just a small piece of it. Let's, let's go back a minute to the first program you mentioned where the, it's the whole like, um, you know, educational aspect to young, mm -hmm. young people. You know, one thing I get a lot of the, you know, veterans my age or older is like, you know, why even bother with these young kids? They don't care. They don't pay attention to us and I'm I, I want to get your take on this because I find that if if I take the time to explain to my children or their friends you know why I joined the Marine Corps why this this VFW or American Legion ceremony is so important mm -hmm. you'll actually get engagement if you take that time do you, do you feel that it's not just the VFW but incumbent on on all veterans to take that time and and, and be like a better term, either an educator or ambassador for what we've done. Yeah, I I think veterans in the classroom is a very underutilized resource to uh, not only talk about our service because you know not every veteran is comfortable standing in front of junior high or elementary or high schoolers and talk about what they did, but uh, the pride of our service, I think. Um, it's the backbone of our fabric of, of our country that we have. To, that's our duty. You know, talk about the Pledge of Allegiance, how to do it. You know, what, how do you react when a flag walks by or you see a flag or you see a flag coming down? Um, and then the importance of the flag itself. Um, if if we don't do it, no one else is going to do it. So that that is our that is our sacred obligation as vets uh, to teach our nation's youth the right, you know, how to how to stand there during the national anthem, how to recite the Pledge of Allegiance and, and what each color on the flag means. Um, we have to do it because no one else is going to. Uh, some of our school, and not to get into any politics, but... You know, we, we have to teach.
teach them those things because it's not necessarily being taught in every school. Um, and I, you know, and I hear that all the time, you know, why waste our time on Nations Youth? But I tell you, once once you do spend a little time with our Nations Youth, they eat that up. They love hearing stories. They love hearing history because they're not, may not be taught at home, may not be taught in school, but once they're, once they're, uh, uh, taught it just a little bit. They, they're like sponges. They, they absorb it. And those high schoolers that I deal with, those are our nation's finest. Those, those students are our best and brightest. Those are our future that could potentially be running our state governments or our federal government 10, 20, 30 years from now. So once we show them the importance of service, they, they appreciate it more, especially when they could be put in that position and make decisions uh, for our country down the road. So it's, it, we absolutely have to spend the time and the effort and the resources to, to educate them on the importance of our America's veterans. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one thing following up with, you know, there, there seems to be a push to connect with national guard and reserve units, even in my state, Massachusetts, but one thing that I've noticed that the VFW is trying to do is, regardless of your political affiliation in, in the leadership, I, I notice a lot of VFWs are trying to engage their, their, their all politics is local, right? So mm -hmm. it's my understanding that there is a, not necessarily a push, but, uh, you know, hey, let your local councilman, your local mayor, or your, your local state rep know what's going on and give them an opportunity to participate. Is, is that something that you're seeing more and more? Well, yeah, I, th I think, um, you know, we that is our bread and butter, is our advocacy for our veterans' benefits. Um, and everyone, um, veteran causes cross all political divides, no matter where you are. And that's, that's why I love the VFW so much, is we're apolitical. There is no left or right, blue or red, it is, it is all green, all veteran focused. Um, and we, some states do, do a better job than others getting behind uh, local uh, veteran benefits. Um, my dad and I just talked yesterday, it's like, you know, we're frustrated with my home state of Kansas that our state believes that license plates are so important. It's like, I don't need any more thank me's. Um, <laughs> you know, let's discuss bringing veteran homes into Kansas and uh, put them in those communities where a lot more veterans are at instead of on the Western side of the state. So um, those discussions should be happening with BFW's legions and all organizations and all concerned veterans to take care of those veterans and keep them in our states. You know, I know Tennessee's doing a great job with a lot of the taxation and, and you know, the, uh, but there's a lot of states where we could do a lot better as far as uh, taking care of our vets and, um, and, you know, Texas has always done a great job of uh, taking care of their veterans. And so I, I, th I think it's just another part of another mission for us veterans to uh, take care of us and those that are coming behind us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So 
let's fast forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in, I, well, actually, we'll backtrack, excuse me. I'm in Tennessee and I'm with Andrew. Uh, and I think we're going to um, the Boondocks. It's a, it's a music club and, mm-hmm. you know, south of Murfreesboro, south of Nashville. And he's all excited, which, which you know, is a default mode anyway. But he's all excited because Jesse James Dupree, the, the lead singer of the band, Jackal, that, you know, I'm a metalhead. You know, yep. Len, you know, I'm rock and roll all the way. The, the country thing, I'm, I'm not there yet. Maybe never will be. But anyway, he's like, Jesse James Dupree gave us a, a, a signed bottle of his whiskey and bourbon and a guitar. And come to find out, this wasn't just the, the celebrity checkoff list. It seemed like talking to him and Brian, like Jesse James got really involved with what you all are doing, yep. just how we got connected. So again, folks, I... I you can watch the show before I'll have the link in the show post, but now I kind of want to get the behind the scenes work because, you know, Lynn, I'm talking to him and he was very knowledgeable about what you all were, were doing, why he was there, why he supported, why it was so important that, you know, his group, you know, Mighty Loud, Harley Davidson, the Full Throttle Saloon, and his brands all work with you all to advocate for veterans. And I have to feel, I hate assumptions, but that all came from a lot of work you all are doing with people like Jesse James. Can you go into that a little bit for me? Sure. Um, It was probably about four or five years ago, we started going out, our, our membership team went to Sturgis and went to the armory and it was kind of like a, like a, you know, if you've never been to Sturgis, it's hard to explain, but huge fair, thousands and thousands of motorcyclist enthusiasts. Um, we had a booth set up. We were involved with downtown event. And I guess Jesse was somewhere around there and seen our banner and was, was curious about it because uh, he'd been, he'd been working with some other groups but it was more, um, it was not actually assisting vets per se. It was just more um, taking the one veteran and their family and taking them on a motorcycle ride or just some experiential stuff. And it wasn't attacking any issues that veterans had. So, Jesse sent an email through our contact us uh, link on our website and said, hey, I want to help that somehow. I'll be in Kansas City in a couple of days. I would love to discuss with someone. So um, the email came came to myself and I met him for coffee and we we talked. We sat down over coffee for probably six hours before he had to get on a flight home. But of course, we talked more about my family, my service, and um, things that he, his family got to know each other and build a bond. And I walked him through all everything that we do as an organization, and he really gravitated to the unmet needs program because he could see, based on our numbers and our impact of helping well over twelve thousand veterans uh, with the service connected reason of why they're in financial 
um, a crisis. And he knew that with his influence and his entities that he's involved with, that people would really gravitate around a financial uh, crisis for a vet um, and be able to step in really fast and get that veteran to breaking even and get them back on the road of positivity. Because I, I explained to them, you know, when you, unfortunately, you peel the numbers back of suicide rates, high predominance of, of the suicide uh, epidemic is because of socioeconomic reasons. You know, veterans just give up because uh, they're homeless or they don't, don't feel worthy of their family and don't trust the VA and, you know, all those, all those type of reasons. And, and I knew that financial was a big one. So he jumped all on it and, and took it and run every time he's out anywhere. He talks about the. And, and, and what is the unmet needs program for those that don't know? Because it's really, really unique. Yep. Especially how uh, Jesse James supports it. Yeah. So our unmet needs program uh, is a, is a $1,500 financial grant to a veteran to pay for a bill. Um, and the, the reason that we step in is somehow that your financial crisis was, was derived from your military service. So it's not a handout. You know, we, we work with creditors uh, to pay a car, car note off or a mortgage or rental or, or keep their lights on. Or if a veteran is on a, and take for instance, 100% a total and permanent veteran, you know, has a set income. They can't make any more money and say just something happens and they're not able to pay for it. Like a water heater blows up or transmission goes out and they can't get to the VA appointments anymore. We're able to step in and take care of those uh, crisis moments uh, for that veteran. And we take that stress off of them. You know, we don't send them the $1,500. We'll go right to the creditor or the lien holder and take care of the uh, bill themselves. So they don't have to worry about it. And we just, we just do it for them. It is definitely a, a life-saving type of program and, and just really gets that veteran, we hope to, to, to the break even point, try to get them more benefits if, they, if that's what, what they need, or we introduce them in our student veteran scholarship and just hopefully show them, you know, all, all, all hope is not lost. And get them and just get them, get them more in a in a positive mindset. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to name names. But I'd like to hear, you know, if you've had any personal connection with this program. What's it like when the the call comes in and the need is met? It goes from an unmet need to a met need. What's that do for for you and your team as? You all are serving veterans. You all are doing what the VFW's core mission is about. How's that affect you on a personal level? Well, what, there's there's one that really, when I when I think about the power of the program, um, 
I've actually become close with this family because of the story got relayed to me after we've assisted. Because I, I do, just right before I got on this interview, I reviewed uh, 28 cases in just the last hour to make decisions on whether to assist or not. And one veteran had applied, just got out, young family, lost his home, was in a hotel, two young kids, brand new wife, was sitting in his truck and had given up hope. But he didn't realize his wife found our grant online and applied just two weeks prior. And he's sitting in his truck, he has a bottle of whiskey, unfortunately, and a pistol. And uh, his wife came out of the hotel room with a letter from back when I used to send, when we first, I first got hired, we were sending letters out to, hey, you've been approved or you've been disapproved and here's what we're gonna help with. Now, of course, it's emails. Um, she came out and he's sitting there and he, he's about to make that decision whether or not he continues. <clears throat> and his wife came out, hands him the letter and he had just been approved for, for our grant. Um, now he's got a job. Oh, right. Went to, went to school. Um, very productive in life. And uh, he sent an email probably a month or two later after everything worked out of how he, he was that close to making that, make, making that decision. Um, and I had the ple pleasure of some of the travels. I, I got to meet him, took some time and slipped down and met him and his family. And I, that right there, <laughs> I'm about to, allergies are kicking in right at this moment. Well, um, well, and that's, you know, just, that's just one of yeah, yeah. Hundreds, hundreds and thousands of uh, stories of. But, but if you can help one, yeah. um, I mean, you're not just helping the veteran. I mean, his or her children may be helped. That spouse may be helped. And, and you're affecting a lot of lives that you're never going to even see and touch. So that's really substantial. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess as we kind of wind this down, you know, What's next for your role or what the VFW is trying to do in 2023? And the reason I'm asking that is we were rolling along, COVID hit for two years, and a lot of things got upended and changed, not only in how, you know, we we interact with each other, but how organizations like yours, yours the VFW provides the advocacy and services that they do. So, you know, how, how's that changing going into 2023? Well, it, you know, I really, you know, it could have been a death blow. COVID could have been a true death blow, and it, and, it, and it hurt a lot of organizations. We, you know, being being warriors, we we took, we didn't miss a beat. And I'm so proud of the VFW in that aspect from post getting out there and helping with COVID testing or food banks and, and just stayed engaged. Um, we just came off of a huge, and I'm sure in your world, you know, the impact of our PACT Act legislation. Um, 
we're about growing our organization and showing the grassroots advocacy truly works. And with this monumental veteran legislation, um, the positivity in, in the trajectory of the VFW is, is spiking now. Um, we just have to do a, a better job from the grassroots to us at National trying to break the perception in, in that stereotype of what people think of the VFW. Right. And, and seize on telling our story and showing them. And it's actually cool to be part of the VFW. Yeah, you may not be able to go to every meeting, but your membership in our organization can change lives. And we proved it with the PACT Act victory thanks to our great friend John Stewart by getting behind and 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 breaking breaking down a lot of the barriers we were facing with Congress um so I'm I'm extremely positive and I th I th we're going to get back to the glory days of two to three plus mem million members uh we just we just need to keep spreading our gospel of the VFW and what we do uh, to assist veterans in the community in general. Well, if if the conversation I had with uh, Jesse James Dupree was any indication, you know, the groundwork for that has been laid a long time ago. You all have never gotten off mission. And if it's bearing fruit with things like the Unmet need pro Needs Program, I, I do feel that there is a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. And, and so when I'm asked now, because, you know, I'll be straight with you, Lynn, for a while there, I was like, look, guys, I mean, if you want to, there's other places you can go besides the Legion and VFW mm -hmm. for advocacy and for socialization. And, you know, and again, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, it, it was Andrew and Brian's and, you know, those people in Tennessee and my home state who were like showing me the way that kind of got the lost lamb back into the fold, sir. Right. So, yep. you, you know, I, I think. I, I can't look away from that. I, I got to respect their, their work. And I'm excited to be, you know, a part of it as an auxiliary member of Stones River in Tennessee and my legion here. Um, you know, as we close this down, I guess my last question is, is personally, when, when that, when that veteran gets out, what do you want them to do to connect with you all? Uh, I want them to interview and find the right environment. And, and you, you hit the nail on the head, you know, just like, just like McDonald's, you know, every McDonald's is different. You got to find the right community and what you need first and foremost to feel comfortable and flourish. Uh, Cause that's one thing that we, and we saw this back in world war II those veterans needed a safe place to go to, to get their life back in track after being in sustained conflict for so long. They built businesses, they networked. That's where the VFW really flourishes that if we connect all the groups and everyone together and, and provide a VFW network of resources in your community, that's where veterans can find that whatever they need, you know, either from the camaraderie aspect 
whether VA benefits or future uh, legislative activities or whatever, or take care of their families with scholarships or financial assistance. You know, it's a one-stop shop and it, when you get it, you, you get out of it, whatever you put into it. So it, it's, I really believe that if, if and you've seen this, it's more about, it's instead of what I can get out of it, it's about what I can help provide to others. And I think there's, a, there's nothing better for your soul on helping someone else that deep down it helps, helps yourself. So good, good old Sean Kennedy, you know, ask not what the yeah. VFW can do for you, but what you can do for the VFW. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's a good way to, good way to look at it. Well, I want to thank you for your time today and, and folks, he, he kind of had to, you know, deal with me being Semper Gumby, but, uh, you, you know, Lynn, it, it was, it was great getting to talk with, uh, Jesse James Dupree. And, and hear that from a civilian who, you know, a lot of people think, well, he's just a rock and roller. No, there's a, there's a mind for this and he's really invested in this. And then to understand how it's put together, I've learned a whole lot today. I want to say thank you. Uh, Travis, th thank you. And I, I love everything that you guys are doing, Oscar, Mike, and, every, and, and everything you guys believe in and stand for. Well, tell Brian, I said, hello. I'll tell Andrew that uh, you said hello. And, uh, I can't wait to talk to you again, meet you in person. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Well, again, folks, you know, as Jesse James Dupree said in his show, everyone can make an impact. You're kind of seeing that here in this conversation that you as a veteran or a civilian that wants to advocate for veterans can make that impact. And there's a way to do that in a very structured, effective way. And again, I want to say thank you to, you know, Brian Walker and Andrew for kind of showing me the way and Lynn for your time today. As we say in Oscar Mike Radio, we are Mission Flight. Thanks again.